Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crush with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. It's hard to believe, but just 10 days, 10 days from the moment of this recording, the 100th season of the National Football League kicks off with its oldest rivals, the Bears and Packers. And in that spirit, we continue with the 7th and 2nd to last round of our 2019 NFL Division by Division Preview Series with a look at the NFC East. And to help us break down all things Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, it is a pleasure to welcome back my right-hand man, Hal Bent of FullPressCoverage.com, back to the program. What's up, pal? How you doing? I'm doing great, David. Just counting down the days until opening day. Likewise, and let's start with the New York Giants. And obviously, their first pick of the draft at six overall was uh, quarterback Daniel Jones from Duke. And obviously, no pick in the draft was panned by the media more than Daniel Jones. But this preseason, Daniel Jones has looked like a man on a mission to prove all those doubters wrong. As through three games, he is 25 for 30 at 83.3% completion rate. 369 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Yes, I know it's just preseason, but you have to be very encouraged by that start if you're the Giants. Yes, Eli Manning is going to begin the year under center, but if the Giants' offense struggles badly the first two weeks, should Daniel Jones be starting by week three, if not sooner? I don't think you pick a quarterback at number six overall and stick him on the bench for long, David. I question why this wasn't a full-fledged quarterback competition going into the training camp here for the Giants because why are they holding themselves back with Eli Manning? That's a known commodity. You've got someone that you obviously thought was one of the best quarterbacks in the draft and your future at that position. Get them out there. Let them play. Let them learn. They're not going to the Super Bowl with Eli Manning this year. Plus, uh, it's apparent when you watch the tape that Eli Manning is a guy on his last legs, and uh, you want to have fresh legs at that position, don't you? Well, I mean, that's been one of the things that Jones, who's not exactly a mobile or a, a scrambler as one of his skills, has looked nimble back there. And maybe it's just getting used to watching, you know, Eli Manning, who even at his youngest wasn't the most nimble, but watching Jones back there this preseason is. It's just eye-opening. He's able to avoid sacks. He's able to extend plays. And for the Giants fans, they've got to be looking at that and saying, well, finally, why are we putting this guy on the bench now? Indeed. Uh, doesn't this like bring back echoes of Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield last year, how Hugh Jackson inexplicably didn't give Baker Mayfield a chance to win the starting job right off the bat? Exactly. And as I remember talking to you multiple times about this last year, that probably cost Cleveland a chance at the playoff by putting Mayfield on the bench inexplicably just because he's a young quarterback. This isn't uh, 1989 anymore. You've got to get them out there and they've got to play and they've got to learn on the job. You said it, Hal. And that brings us to our Giants fantasy focus. And outside Saquon Barkley, who should be going with the first or second overall pick in fantasy drafts in all formats. No player on this Giants offense has more fantasy appeal than Evan Ingram. Uh, with the departure of Odell Beckham Jr. and Golden Tate on the shelf for the first four weeks and uh, Sterling Shepard not quite 100% either, you have the sense that he is going to get force-fed a lot of targets. And per fantasy football calculator, his ADP is currently around 58 overall, which is slightly behind O.J. Howard. Would you be comfortable taking Evan Ingram as your starting tight end at that juncture, or would you wait around or two to take Jared Cook whose ADP is around 72 overall, or Vance McDonald with an ADP of 78. 
I'd be more interested in taking Ingram at that time. Uh, there is a bare cupboard in that Giants wide receiver position right now. Golden Tate's not going to play the first four weeks of the season. You got Shirt Sterling Shepard banged up there. Corey Coleman's already gone. You're looking at them starting. Here's here's a name for you, David. I know you know him, Cody Latimer. Yep. Come on. Oh. They're gonna. They're not gonna be force feeding Barkley and Ingram. They're gonna be the only two people catching the ball. I would say Ingram definitely grabbed him there. Very good point. And one of the cardinal rules in fantasy is that volume is even more important than efficiency. And Evan Ingram is gonna see a lot of volume, especially above not just one but two former Broncos the first four weeks. And Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler, who caught the final pass of Peyton Manning's career. Don't forget him either, Hal. And uh, let's talk about this Giants defense right now. On paper, this pass rush for the Giants is one of the most uncertain units in the NFL. They are counting on second-year player Lorenzo Carter, who was one of their two 2018 third-round picks, to supply the pressure off the edge. And for what it's worth, Lorenzo Carter has had a very good trading camp and preseason. And rookie nose tackle Dexter Lawrence, who moves exceptionally smooth for a 342-pound big man to supply pressure from the interior. Do you think the Giants' pass rush could be a pleasant surprise in 2019? Or is that a tall order? That's a tall order. You know, watching their last preseason game, we also saw a lot of former Arizona Cardinal pass rusher Marcus Golden highlighted as well. And, you know, I just don't think he's going to do the job. You know, granted, they got rid of Olivier Vernon to beef up that offensive line and free up some salary cap space. But you've got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. And that's what the Giants are really lacking in that front seven there is that consistent pressure that's going to come from that outside and I don't see Carter or Golden or you know even a Kareem Martin as, as that guy that could be that consistent pass rush that other teams have to game plan against and that puts a lot of pressure on that secondary which is you know leaning on a lot of young players as well with Julian Love and DeAndre Baker if he gets healthy expected to have big roles there so they're going to need someone to take some pressure off of that secondary or it could be a disastrous defensive season for the Giants. It most certainly could and uh, if uh, the Giants are as bad on defense as I anticipate them being you should uh, stream starting quarterbacks against them in your fantasy league if you're that kind of a fantasy strategist so just just a note fantasy owners and moving on to the Washington Redskins who find themselves in a very similar situation at quarterback as the Giants. They selected a potential franchise quarterback in Dwayne Haskins with the 15th overall pick, yet journeyman Case Keenum will be starting week one against the Eagles. If Case Keenum fails to get anything going the first two weeks, should Dwayne Haskins be under center in week three? Well, I'll give the Redskins credit. At least they're giving Haskins a chance to win the job. I don't think he's quite done enough to, but at the same time, again, known commodity. We know what Case Keenum is at quarterback. Uh, Colt McCoy's still on the road to recovery a little bit there. So if I'm the Redskins and I'm looking at that start to the season here and they're falling in a hole quickly with two very tough games, Philadelphia and Dallas, before uh, hosting the Bears on Monday night, that is a tough, tough stretch. And do you want Case Keenum at quarterback after you're sitting 0-3? I don't think you can. So, yes, they definitely need to have that short leash and really give the kid a chance there at quarterback because, again, you're drafting in the top half of the first round. 
you've got to get him out there and get him to take his lumps because this is year two, year three kind of investment that you're looking for that return. Absolutely, Hal, but a lot of people believe that it's going to take even longer for Dwayne Haskins to see the field because Jay Gruden is coaching for his job and Gruden's going to want to go with the play it safe option in Case Keenum as opposed to a guy who's going to be susceptibly more prone to make mistakes in, in Dwayne Haskins. So what do you think of that? Well, I think it, he may have the choice taken out of his hands as well, because if you're looking at an offensive line with Trent Williams still holding out at left tackle, uh, that could be a turnstile situation there. And you may need Dwayne Haskins there because Case Keenum either gets knocked out or you need somebody who can run for his life back there with the mobility that Haskins can bring to that role. And so that choice may be out of Gruden's hands, whether he likes it or not. It should be taken out of his hands, in my opinion. And if you're the Redskins and a team offers you a 2020 first-round pick for Trent Williams, do you ship Trent Williams to that team and get that 2020 first-round pick, regardless of who that team is? I think you do. I think they have to. I think Trent Williams, I mean, this is a very rare circumstance with his holdout. It's not about money. It's about the team's medical staff. And when a player says either fire the medical staff or I'm not playing, that is a bizarre circumstance going on there. And I think don't have a choice in this matter. Trent Williams is not suiting up for Washington again ever. So if you can get a first round pick for him, I'd have him out the door tomorrow. Save here. But look at that uh, schedule the first uh, three weeks, as you alluded to. The Eagles week one, Demarcus Lawrence week two, Khalil Mack of the Bears week three. Ouch. Uh, it might be time for Haskins sooner than later because Case Keenum is going to get killed because that holdout is likely to continue unless Trent Williams gets traded. And the Redskins, I agree, they have to trade Trent Williams if they get a first-round pick in 2020 in return for that. And that brings us to our fantasy focus for the Redskins. In the preseason dress rehearsal, Darius Geis, whose ADP is around 74 overall, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he showed he's almost or if not already, fully recovered from that torn ACL he suffered last year. However, future Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson, whose ADP is around 110-111 overall per fantasy football calculator, he showed in the preseason that he still has more than enough juice left. Which of those two Redskins running backs would you prefer to own in fantasy, or would you avoid this backfield altogether? Yeah, I think I'm staying far away from this Washington backfield. This is the type of team that looks like they're going to be playing from behind not going to be able to run the football as much as they want to. Adrian Peterson, running backs, I know he's a freak of nature, but at some point he's going to be slowing down just due to the accumulated hits at that position. And Guise, I think that's a little bit high for him, for somebody that's going to be splitting carries to begin with and still is working his way back to 100% there at running back position. So for me, I'm staying away from both backs unless much, much later they're a draft deal and everybody else is staying away from them. Oh, most definitely, especially considering the fact that the floor for this Washington offense is very, very low. You have to stay away from that backfield. Agreed. First-year offensive coordinator Jay Gruden, who I'm not quite sure how he's hanging around in his role still for another year. This team looks like they're in position to implode, and who knows, maybe you get them cheap. As at a midseason trade, and, and after that uh, coaching staff is purged, maybe they get one of these guys involved more in running the ball. 
You said it. And now moving on to this Redskins defense and this front of theirs, it looks very, very promising, actually. You have the Alabama boys, Roll Tide, by the way, on the defensive line in Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, both players capable of stopping the run and getting after the quarterback. And coming off the edge, you have the criminally, criminally underrated Pro Bowl veteran Ryan Kerrigan and the freakish athletic rookie in Montez Sweat. But the back end, it leaves a lot to be desired. As Ruben Foster, he's going to miss the entire season with a torn ACL, and their uh, linebacking core is very unproven and untested. And the secondary is a huge question mark outside of Landon Collins, who they gave a fortune to to lure away from the division rival Giants. Can this Washington front four be elite more often than not this season in order to mask the deficiencies they have at linebacker and in the secondary? I think they can. I, I really like that front. The fourth, you know, the three down linemen, the edge rushers. I loved Montez Sweat at that late round, first round pick. You mentioned Ryan Kerrigan again, who's toiling away anonymity there in Washington. But outside of Landon Collins at strong safety, Josh Norman's game took a step back last year. Dominique Rogers Cromarty, if it was 10 years ago, that'd be a great pickup. But I am not loving that secondary in Washington. This is an average defense to begin with. And that was before any injuries started hitting on that defense as well. So. It's tough to buy into this defense. They've got a uh, fairly easier schedule in the second half of the year. If they can pull that together, the defense might make a charge. But other than that front there, um, I, I'm with you, David. That that secondary just isn't strong enough to, to cover up for any losses there during the course of the season. We agree yet again, Hal. Good minds think alike, as they say. And moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And with Carson Wentz. More than a full year removed from that multi-ligament knee injury that he suffered in his MVP-like 2017 season, is it reasonable to expect him to play closer to that 2017 level this season, especially if health permits? I think if he's healthy, then he should be at that level. He's got the offensive line in front of him. He's got the tools around him. The only thing he's lacking this year is that Nick Foles safety net behind him. So he better <laughs> what they're saying in Philadelphia. Oh, you said it. And uh, is Carson Wentz uh, one of your uh, better um, quarterback value picks from a fantasy perspective as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, if we think of Carson Wentz pre-injury in 2017, we were talk talking about him for the NFL MVP. And, I, you know, and then, you know, he just never got on track. I don't know if he rushed back from that injury, if there was some additional compounding of different injuries that just caught up to him, but he just wasn't the same player. And I think an offseason to clear his head, maybe a little less pressure, having the Super Bowl MVP breathing down his neck maybe gives him a chance to, okay, this is my team again now, and I'm fully healthy, and I'm ready to step forward. And I definitely see him as a value pick at that quarterback position. Oh, very good point. And do not forget, uh, the Eagles have Deshaun Jackson back of the fold, and uh, they have been lights out in training camp. Their chemistry just uh, hit um, automatically, and uh, they have a natural rapport, and uh, having uh, Deshaun Jackson to throw the ball to is going to open up that passing game even more. So uh, Carson Wentz could have an even better assortment of weapons this year than he had in 2017. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at this team, and I mean, especially down by the goal line, you've got two of the best tight ends in the league right now, Zach Ertz, Dallas Gadir, 
I don't think you have a better combo there. And add in big rookie J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he's got a lot of big targets to look for in the end zone coming up this season. And uh, it looks like he's got all the weapons around him. And if they can get that running game going with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, this offense could be one of the top offenses in the entire NFL. You mentioned Miles Sanders, and that takes us to our Eagles fantasy focus. The Eagles have a crowded backfield, but rookie Miles Sanders, who you just mentioned, he has been the unquestioned star of Trady Cabot. Beat writers are saying that he has to be on the field as much as humanly possible, even with Jordan Howard and Darren Sproles and Josh Adams and the other running backs they have. His current ADP is around 54-55 overall, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Would you be comfortable taking Miles Sanders at that spot as the third or fourth running back on your roster in a 10-team league? I definitely would. I think he's going to force his way onto the field and just not let it go. I mean, we saw what happened with the Bears, why Jordan Howard is available, is that if there's a more talented player there playing behind you, Jordan Howard is Mr. Reliable. And you don't need reliable, you need production. And Sanders, where he's a first down, second round, second down, third down back. He can catch the ball. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. And if I'm the Eagles, I have no problem pushing Jordan Howard to the side, pushing the ageless wonder Darren Sproles to the side or the inconsistent Corey Clement in the third down back and giving that to Miles Sanders. So I would be very comfortable with him. I see his role growing as the season progresses. Also, did you see that blitz pickup that Miles Sanders did on that uh, touchdown pass in the Eagles preseason game against Jacksonville? My God, this guy is an every-down back. Jordan Howard is a two-down grinder. When Jordan Howard's in the game, you know they're running the ball. If you put Miles Sanders in the game, you don't know what the Eagles are going to do. Miles Sanders has to be on the field at all times because it's going to leave defenders guessing far more than Jordan Howard ever would. And plus, Bears traded him away for a reason. Jordan Howard is limited, and the Bears drafted upgrade over him in David Montgomery. He's an upgrade over Jordan Howard already, as is Miles Sanders. So go with Miles Sanders, Eagles. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you, if I'm an NFL team, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, I'm drafting whoever else comes out of Penn State. I don't care who he is at this point. (laughs) Penn State could be turning into a running back factory. We shall see what they bring forth in the years ahead. And let's talk about this Eagles defense now. And in the offseason, the Eagles parted ways with Michael Bennett via trade, as you know, to your New England Patriots, and Chris Long, one of the best humanitarians the NFL has ever seen, announced his retirement. The two accounted for 15 and a half of the Eagles' 44 sacks last season, and they had 121 of the team's 337 total quarterback pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. How do you see the Eagles replacing not only that production, but that efficiency as well? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm going to come out and say, I don't think it's going to be free agent signing Vinny Curry. Vinny, we love you, but yes. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting in Brandon Graham, and it's really going to be a matter of, you know, these guys are going to have their snaps that they've had the luxury these past few years of being able to rest up during the 16-game the grind and keep themselves fresh throughout the season. So you're going to have to see more of a, traditional role taken by uh, Derek Barnett so he can take that next step forward. Brandon Graham, even though he's on the wrong side of 30, he's going to have to take that playing time that he hasn't had to and hasn't complained about not having, but he's going to have to take a step up in playing time as well because that depth 
behind them just isn't there like it used to be. Oh, you said it. And a guy who they should be counting on to deliver a lot in terms of getting pressure is Malik Jackson, who was a stalwart for that uh, amazing um, all-time great Denver Broncos defense in 2015. And uh, he kind of got lost in the shuffle of Jacksonville in recent years due to the insane amount of talent they brought in. But now he has an opportunity to carve a sizable role for himself in that uh, rotation played next to Fletcher Cox. So Malik Jackson, I think a lot of that is on you, my friend. Is it? Yeah, they've, they've got to get that pressure up the middle to offset that lack of edge pressure that, that may start uh, dissipating for them. So Fletcher Cox, we know how great he is. And, and you said it, is Malik Jackson, is that step back permanent? Is, you know, is it because a interior defensive lineman has lost this step as he gets closer to 30? And also in that mix, if he can get fully healthy again, it, they brought back Timmy Jernigan as well, who was that explosive pass rusher next to Fletcher Cox for that one-two punch in 2017 before his injuries slowed him down. So they've got to get something out of that interior to keep that pass rush going forward there because, again, their secondary is good, but it's not a carry-the-team kind of secondary. That secondary has feasted off of that front seven getting pressure and making their job easier these last couple of years. Very well said, Hal. And from the Eagles to the reigning NFC East Division champion, Dallas Cowboys. And when you look at the Cowboys, this looks like a now-or-never type year for the Cowboys. You have Dak Prescott on the final year of his rookie deal, and no weapon in the NFL is greater than a talented quarterback on a rookie deal. And over the years, the Cowboys, especially via the draft, they have assembled one of the league's most talented rosters on both sides of the football. But Hall of Fame owner Jerry Jones, he's 76 years old, and Jason Garrett is also in the final year of his contract. Would you consider anything less than an image of the Cowboys hoisting that Lombardi Trophy at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami in February a failure? I'll give them just getting anything less than getting to the NFC championship game is a failure. David, you and I know it's so hard for teams to win in the NFL in the playoffs after that grind of the season, the attrition around them, the bad bounces, the bad luck that can throw you off in that playoff game, a hot opposing quarterback. There's too many factors to make that the ultimate success or failure but they have to at least get to the NFC championship game. They need to win the NFC East. They need to hold off the Eagles. They need to hold down home court, get a home playoff game in the divisional round and win that and get to that NFC championship game. And if they can do that, then at that point, the season is a success for Dallas. Oh, especially considering the fact that they have not been to the NFC Championship game since 1995, the last year they went to and won the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. That is a very, very, very good point, Hal. But the Cowboys uh, have uh, issues on who to pay right now. Jalen Smith uh, took the bait and agreed to a deal. But uh, the two most important players on their team, arguably, especially on offense, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, are still without contract extensions. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, he is holding out, and uh, the holdout doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon, uh, based on what Stephen Jones just said on the radio a couple days ago. Uh, as he said, there hasn't been uh, an, uh, another breakthrough in negotiations uh, in recent days or weeks. But it, if you were the Cowboys, who would you pay first? Would you pay Dak Prescott first? Or Ezekiel Elliott first? That is a tough one, but, you know, uh, I'm a fan of Dak Prescott. That offense is running through Dak. I love, love Zeke. 
He's a superstar. There's no doubt about it. But teams can win in the NFL these days without a dominant running back. They're not going to win anything without high-level quarterback play in 2019. So my first look is at Dak Prescott in the quarterback position. Get him paid, get him in, and then worry about Zeke after that. Ooh, I like how you went against the grade there because the conventional wisdom amongst the uh, main talking heads is that this team is built around Zeke and Zeke should be the first to get paid. But running back Sarah Diamond does it. And we're going to talk about another promising young running back on the Cowboys in a little bit. But it makes sense to pay Dak Prescott first because he plays a more valuable position. But I personally don't think that he's worth more money than Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson. Do you? I don't think he's worth it, but quarterbacks don't get paid what they're worth, David. We know that. <laughs> it matters what you think of free agency. Um, just ask any Detroit Lions fan about that and the formerly highest paid quarterback in the NFL over there. So that's just the price of doing business in the NFL. You could say that the Cowboys have squandered Dak Prescott's years of making $600,000 a year and by not advancing further in the playoffs the last couple of years, and I would agree with you on that, but there comes a time to pay the piper, and finding a franchise quarterback is not an easy thing, and you just suck it up, and you pay the man, and that's what you've got to do in the NFL this day, and it doesn't matter if he's paid more than someone who's better than him. That's just the way business operates in the NFL. You've got to take care of your quarterback first and foremost. You most certainly do. And Memo to Dallas Cowboys, figure it out with Dak. You'll be rewarded for it down the road. And let's go to our Cowboys fantasy focus for a second. Let's stick with Ezekiel Elliott for a moment. Cecil Lammy of footballguys.com, he tweeted last week that he is still drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the top five, even if there is no resolution to his contract situation by this time next week. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, For fantasy football, there's nothing more valuable than a franchise running back. And I would say I will definitely take him in the top five. If I have a pick there and he's still available, no doubt about it. He's not getting past number five on my board. I think it could be a matter of one good game out of Tony Pollard and all of a sudden Zeke's back in week two. I would not be surprised in the least. Very, very good point there, Hal. And uh, the other biggest uh, fantasy commodity on this Cowboys offense is Amari Cooper. And this is arguably an even more troublesome situation than Zeke's because Amari Cooper is currently battling plantar fasciitis. And while it may not cost him any games, according to uh, Dr. David Shaw, who you can follow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc, he is the best follow on Twitter for uh, NFL injury type stuff, along with Dr. Gene Bramble, friend of the pod, by the way. But uh, uh, you can't... Uh, not follow Dr. David Chow, man, the former team doctor of the uh, Chargers. David Chow said it's going to require aggressive management and treatment throughout the season. Amari Cooper's current ADP is around 35.3, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Would you pass on Amari Cooper at that spot, or would you be willing to bite the bullet with him as your first or second wide receiver at that juncture? That is a tough one, because there's nothing scarier for a wide receiver than a foot injury. There's so much pressure on that foot. Every time they're running a route out there, they're cutting. Is that part of how they get open is that, that footwork. But at the same time, being able to see what Cooper was able to do in this offense last year, that instant connection with Dak Prescott, and I just would have to bite the bullet if he's available in that ADP area right there and I'm on the clock 
I would bite the bullet. I would take him and I would say, modern medicine, do your thing. Yeah, and Amari Cooper is in a contract year as well, so he's going to need that medicine to do its thing to lead him to a big, big payday uh, next spring. And uh, let's talk about this Cowboys defense. As I alluded to, they just re-signed Jalen Smith. They possess the best linebacker duo in the league with Jalen Smith, one of the most inspiring stories in football in recent years, and Leighton Vanderesh entering his uh, second season. He got an underrated pass rusher in Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, that secondary, that young secondary is growing up by the day. Byron Jones became a Pro Bowl cornerback last year, and Xavier Woods could have a breakout year at one of those safety positions. Uh, and when you look at the Cowboys defense last year, they ended up as one of the league's top shelf units, but they didn't really find their groove until the latter part of the season, especially when they uh, played the New Orleans Saints at home and uh, they essentially uh, stymied that offense and wrote the playbook on how to neutralize them at this at that point last season. So based on the inconsistencies they had last season, do you think this Cowboys defense could be even better in 2019? Oh, definitely. I definitely think so. You know, Byron Jones, if they can get him back healthy by week one, even if they have to take a little bit of time to get him there, that secondary, like you said, is growing up fast and has really become a strength of that team uh, without any big names. And of course, everybody knows those linebackers, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, Sean Lee, if he stays healthy, can you imagine with those three linebackers on the field at the same time? That's going to, that's, such an impressive group and you know if they can get that extra pass rush whether it's Robert Quinn who they got from Miami whether 2017 first round draft pick Taco Charlton shakes that bust label and is able to provide some consistent edge rush this defense goes from really good to Wow. You said it, and he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. You can catch his work at FullPressCoverage.com, and if you're a Patriots fan, you would catch even more of his work at MusketFire.com. And Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us, but before he lets you go, we got to play our favorite game called Truth or Exaggeration, and you know how this game goes. I will read a statement about each of these four NFC East teams, and you got to respond telling me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why, starting with the Giants. In April 2020... The New York Giants will have a top three pick of the draft for the second time in three years. Definitely a truth, and especially if they leave Eli Manning out there, which might be their plan. Hopefully, for Daniel Jones' sake, it's not their plan. Moving on to the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins' fellow rookie classmate and college teammate, Terry McLaurin, will be the Redskins' leader in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns this season. There's some truth to that because that is a very, very thin group lacking in talent. And I'm willing to go on record and say, why the heck not? Let's go truth. Totally. Plus, uh, they had chemistry at college. And Terry McLaurin, uh, with that speed of his, he could end up being a steal at where the Redskins drafted him. Exactly. And he's going to get an opportunity. There's no doubt about it. Because like we said, the rest of that group is lacking playmakers is the nice way to say it. And Jordan Reed is in the concussion protocol yet again. So... Terry McLaurin, your time is about to come very soon. And to the Eagles we go. Miles Sanders, not only will he emerge as the lead dog of the Eagles' backfield early in the season, he will end up as the 2019 Offensive Rookie of the Year. There's some tough competition there, but I don't see any reason why not. Running backs, especially those that can block like Sanders is showing that he can block, are going to get their playing time. 
So, yes, I will say truth on that as well. But you know I'm driving that Miles Sanders train to begin with. Totally. I think it'll come down to either Kim, David Montgomery, and Kyler Murray for 2019 Offensive Rookie of the Year honors. But I will save uh, my prediction for a show later in the week, uh, which we will uh, preview the entire season and make our predictions. And last but not least, we go to the Cowboys. Even when Ezekiel Elliott finally shows up, Tony Pollard, will still get between 25 to 33% of the touches in the Cowboys' backfield because the Cowboys said they view him as an Alvin Kamara-type weapon, and uh, he's shown that he is too talented to leave off the field for long stretches of time, at least this preseason. Yeah, they can say that. I'm going to say that's an exaggeration. I think once Zeke gets back there, he's back there, and he's back to his bell cow role there no matter what. Uh, I think it was it's a good idea to say, hey, we're going to rest him, <laughs> give Pollard some of those snaps. But when it gets down to crunch time, I just don't see that actually happening. So we're going to go with an exaggeration on that one. Thank you, Hal. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. But we'll be back with our final 2019 NFL Division by Division preview within the next few days. So stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom59. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.